Hello, this is Michael Novenson with Information Security Media Group. We're going to be discussing identity security today with Matt Cohen. He is the CEO at CyberArk. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm great, Michael. Great to be here with you. Great, great to be here with you, too, CyberArk Impact 23 in Boston. want to talk a little bit about the secure browser, something you unveiled here at the show. Two-part question for you. First, what was the impetus for this? And then secondly, at a tangible level, how will the experience be different for customers? Sure. So we, we came up with the secure browser to try to answer what is a, a unanswered question within organization. How to secure the last mile when you think about the, the applications that's used the most within an enterprise. It is the browser, yet it's not built for the enterprise. And so we took a identity security approach overall. We thought about this idea of how do we actually make sure that as privileged users within organizations are access-sensitive applications or general web applications, we can provide a better way of, of actually making sure that those users' credentials are not harvested and used by, by bad actors, by, by the hackers that are out there. Increasingly, what we see out there is this idea of session hijacking. And session hijacking just means that post-multi-factor authentication, hackers are able to actually grab cookies, and then continue the session as if they are the individual of which they've stolen the credential. And the browser itself exposes so much information to these hackers that they can really wreak havoc within organizations. So our secure browser, the CyberArk secure browser, is actually focused on this idea of a cookie-less browsing experience where the cookies are actually ported over to the CyberArk server to make sure that the user can still seamlessly go through their web app and be able to get all the value out of those applications while not engaging in the risk behavior of exposing credentials and cookies to bad act hackers. It's designed for users within an organization that have privileges. It's designed for users in an organization that access applications that security wants to be able to protect. Built on Chromium, and it actually operates and is used just like the corporate browser that everybody is used. So from a productivity perspective, there's no learning curve for individuals when they actually access the CyberArks. For those personas who are accessing sensitive information, is the idea then that they would use this for all of their browsing or they would just use it for some of their browsing and then use a commercial browser like a Chrome when they're not doing it? So it really is flexibly orchestrated so that the security administrators can set policy. And they can set policy by application. Oh, everybody who goes to this application must use the secure browser. They can set it by individual. So this individual is always going to use the secure browser. Or they can combine the two, and they can allow for certain individuals only when they're accessing certain applications to use the browser. It's completely flexibly orchestrated, giving controls to the security personnel in the organization to make the choice. No, we've seen a couple pure play secure browser vendors come out. Talon won the innovation sandbox contest last year, Island as well. How is your approach to secure browsing at CyberArk different than some of those pure plays we've seen launched recently? Sure. So some of those pure play vendors are actually requiring organizations to switch and actually adopt the, the secure browser for all users. We mm. think that's incredibly impractical. You know, people actually love their browser and the average user doesn't want. So that's one way we're differentiated. The other way is that since it's built into our identity security platform, and it's actually a service that we will offer out to our customer, it allows us to take a security first mindset and a handshake with the security organizations that already know us. We're not asking them to pick a new vendor. 
We're asking them to leverage a front end on our identity security platform that everyone can take advantage of. I mentioned session hijacking a little while ago. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the biggest emerging identity threats. Certainly that's one in terms of generative AI or quantum computing. What are some of the other major threats you're seeing in, in an identity context? Yeah, sure. We talked about that a lot this morning, this idea that the mixture of brand new proliferating identities combined with complex hybrid environments creates rich and fertile ground for attackers to be able to innovate. And the technologies that are out there are accelerating where hacker innovation is actually taking off. And two of the areas that we talked about this morning besides session hijacking was cascading software supply chain attacks and generative AI. And I'll go quickly through both of them. From a cascading supply chain attack, what we're seeing is more and more the insertion of malicious code into software products, sometimes not just to get directly into that product, but actually to insert it in such a way that it can move laterally to other software products, ultimately making its way up into an OEM, into their products, into their infrastructure, and into their system. And this ability to be able to move laterally and vertically through software is actually a form of hacker innovation that we're seeing out. And it's actually a particularly difficult one that we have to protect against. Generative AI, the buzzword of the moment, everybody wants to talk about it. And it's a really exciting idea that makes organizations more productive, code easier to develop, makes the ability to be able to do repeatable tasks in an efficient way. It's exciting, but that same technology can be leveraged and utilized by hackers, by bad actors, by nation states, by organized crime in order to be able to bring up the level of the collective hacking skills of their collectives, of the organizations they've invested. We were up on stage demonstrating the ability to be able to create realistic deep fakes where, for example, one of our CyberArk Labs researcher was able to very easily create a version of Udi Makati, our founder and executive chair's voice, to demonstrate how social engineering and deep phishing can become even more effective using generative AI. So it's out there, it's absolutely exploding at an exponential pace. And just like we want to use it on the side of good within our organizations, hackers and bad actors are using it to actually elevate their skills and penetrating organizations. And on, on that defensive side, then what do you feel are some of the potential applications of generative AI or large language models? How can it help with identity security? Yeah, I think we at CyberArk feel like we have to battle innovation with innovation. And so we're investing in understanding how AI can help us identify when something is fake, when something is created by a computer. We want to invest in the ability, like our secure browser, to go tackle session hijacking, to innovate at the time when so many out there are innovating in the wrong way. And so when we think about everything, even onto what you mentioned, quantum computing, our labs team is out researching now on how you create protocols for encryption that actually are future-proof so that we can swap in new encryption standards as they come out, even as quantum computing starts to explode. So it's all about innovating with the attacker in mind. We have a saying at CyberArk, which is, let's let the attacker in the room. Every time we're trying to make a decision, we're trying to launch a strategy, we're developing a product, we always invite the attacker into the room to try to understand how are they thinking and what can we do about it. So I know historically in the identity world, when people think identity, they think of humans, people like me and you. I, I know increasingly we're seeing the rise of both non-human identities as well as machine identity. Two-part question for you. First, why are we seeing so many of the new types of identities? And then secondly, what are the security implications? Yeah, sure. And we talked about this morning 
the notion that increasingly for every one human identity, which there's multiple for each one of me and you, there's up to 45 machine or non-human identities. That creates massive identity sprawl that we have to protect. The reason for this is the digital innovation that we were just talking about. As the ability to be able to develop powerful new applications becomes more available, the ability to be able to leverage microservices sit in the cloud platform, the need for machines to be able to have credentials to log into data sources, infrastructure, or talk to other machines has really exploded. And so it creates this whole new world, this new world order, if you will, where machines or non-human identities actually outweigh the human. Now the implications there becomes we must control secrets that are embedded within these applications. For a long time we've been talking about removing hard-coded secrets from applications, what makes them most vulnerable. But we need to go beyond that and actually be able to centrally manage the sprawl of secrets that can sit in multiple secret stores or secrets management vaults throughout an enterprise. A normal development organization might spool up a different secret store every cloud server service provider concept. That creates an possible task for security. So some of the products and solutions we're investing in, like Secrets Hub, allows developers to still use those native secrets so they don't have to change their behavior. You don't want to mess with the behaviors of developers. But we can centrally manage the back end of the secrets within the CyberArk vault, rotate, implement policy, and then push those secrets back out to those locally stored secrets that the developers can take advantage of within their code. It's a win-win for developers and for security, and it's an increasing part of our portfolio as we move forward. I know it's been about a quarter century that CyberArk's been around, or heading on that, obviously, born in a much more traditional on-premise world. Now we public clouds as well as applications in the cloud. What, what has that meant for identity and what are some of the things you focused on when it comes to creating identity security for the cloud? It's, 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 a, it's a wonderful question and it's incredibly important to talk about. Every organization, every, is lifting and shifting applications from on-prem into cloud. And most organizations are also investing in digital native cloud initiatives to build applications from scratch. When we move to the cloud, a whole new case of roles and entitlements becomes apparent. We spent 20 years mapping out what role and what privilege people in the on-prem world should have. We move rapidly to the cloud and all of a sudden there's a sprawl of unfettered access among developers, DevOps, SREs, etc. And we have to actually now approach this problem differently. We need to again remap the roles and the entitlement. But if we do it for too long, we slow everything down, which blocks the ability to innovate in the cloud environment. So our approach is actually to implement methodologies called just-in-time or zero-standing privileges. What that allows us to do is give people access to the cloud environments with no privilege and then only apply the privileges when they need it to be able to access the targets that they need to access for a period of time. And when they're done, remove those privileges so that the entire development community, for example, aren't sitting with unfettered access for all time. Your heritage at CyberArk is in this privileged access management space. I know on stage during your keynote, you'd mentioned the growth you're seeing around your endpoint offering. Why has endpoint been such a focus for you and how is it, how does it complement the work you've done around privileged accounts and identities? Yeah, I think endpoint is increasingly where so much of the threat happens. We see that with the explosion of EDR providers and the solution that they're able to provide. When we think about endpoint, it really is where ransomware happens. It's where people are able to steal the initial 
credentials that allows them to then move through an organization and steal data informa information, infrastructure, and system. And so our EPM product, which basically removes local admin rights at the endpoint and allows them to implement a least privilege approach, which enables privilege escalation. If I need an application, I can ask for it and get approval. That capability locks down the endpoint. And the interesting thing here is it actually ensures that the investment in the EDR solutions pays off. Because a lot of times what the bad actors or hackers are trying to do is get into the endpoint so they can turn off the EDR and then bypass it and get into the enterprise. An EPM solution, Endpoint Privilege Manager, doesn't allow that because it locks down the ability to make any changes on the endpoint within the applications that are running. One of the areas that we think about here and that we launched this morning is actually back on AI. The actual embedding of an AI policy engine into our EPM product. So it can learn best practices from what's going on around the world and apply that policy locally to make the endpoint even more secure. Let me ask you here finally, I know I stepped into the CEO role earlier this year after spending a few years as Chief Revenue Officer, Chief Operating Officer. What surprised you the most in your interactions with customers or with partners in terms of either what CyberArk's doing or in terms of what their needs are around identity? Yeah, sure. G great question. I wouldn't say I was surprised. I spent most of my time with customers leading up to this, this role change in the prior jobs. But what continues to amaze me is how they're thinking about identity as the centerpiece of their overall cybersecurity strategy. And we talked on stage this morning about the future of security is identity. And we hear it from customers all the time. It's actually where we got that phrase from. And so I think as I am able to meet with customers now in the more strategic role, we're talking about how we can partner together to create long-term identity security programs as a focus effort within their cybersecurity strategy. Important space to watch. Matt, thank you so much here for the time. Thanks for the great question. Very welcome. We've been speaking with Matt Cohen. He is the CEO at CyberArk. For Information Security Media Group, this is Michael Novenson. Have a nice day.